and you can sign up for that right out there. So let me start by asking you a question, a little survey I want to take, and it would really uh, make me feel a lot better about myself when you participate, so help me out here, okay? All right, so let me ask you a question, a little survey, raise of hands. In America, there are some uh, fears that I think a lot of Americans have, and maybe this is like all across the world. Uh, I'm an American, so I know what Americans think. So uh, here's, here's some things that maybe some Americans, many Americans think and, and, and fear in some ways. And so if this is you, if I say something that describes you, just throw up your hand real quick. How many of you have a fear of flying? All right, one, two, three, a couple, a couple of you. All right, that's all right. A few of you. Uh, I see some people like, oh, gosh, please, let's not talk about flying. All right, how many of you have a uh, fear of public speaking, like standing up in front of a crowd? All right, yeah, that's like number one. Most people is like, nope, no way, don't even, I'm not even going to do that. Uh, how about this one? How many of you have a fear of heights, like getting up on ladders, uh, like cleaning out the gutters is the last thing you ever want to do, right? All right, yeah. All right, so those are like the top three. Uh, coming in pretty hot now at this point is a, a fourth one, and that's clowns. Anybody? All right. Uh, me and Julie, we know. Yeah, Ju- Julie, right? Yeah. All right. So, yeah, clowns Clowns are coming in pretty hot right now. And um, we, uh, I, number one, I just want to let you know, I will jack a clown. Like, I, I, I am not, I don't mess with clowns. That's not my, that's not my thing. I, not too long ago, probably maybe a, a week or two ago, Maybe three weeks ago, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, I was reading this news story, and there was a little video that went along with it, and um, <laughs> just a crazy moment. But you guys have heard about like you know, these things where like clowns are like hiding in woods and you know scaring people and stuff like that. That's dumb. All right. So anyway, um, uh, so I was reading this story about this this teenager. He's like 17, 18 years old, and he decided that he was going to dress up like a clown and jump out and try to scare some joggers running down you know this jogging path, right? And so this, that's what the guy did. He dressed up like a clown. He, you know, waited in the bushes around the corner, that kind of thing. And, and he happened to jump out and try to scare this guy that was jogging. Well, the guy that he jumped out to scare or tried to scare was an ex-Marine. <laughs> Needless to say, that clown got knocked out. Right? And so... Uh, I'm reading that, and I uh, watched a little video on it. It interviews the, this guy that, you know, that, that did it, and he actually apologized to the guy that, you know, he knocked out. But he's like, but don't be trying to scare me with no clowns. That's what he said. And, uh, and so I, I watched this video, and I'm sitting there. Nobody is around me. I'm sitting there at my desk all by myself, and I sit there, and I, I see that, and I read that story, and this is what I did. Like I, I slow clapped that guy and stood up. You know, I was like, "That's awesome! Way to go!" Like, love that. So yeah, uh, clowns, no bueno. All right. Anyway, um, see, uh, thing is, is this: we've all had, we've all had these moments of of fear. Like things, things scare us. These moments of of paralyzing fear. Moments where. Uh, maybe we were faced with this immense fear and, and moments of where we've stood on the edge of, of, of needing to make a, a life decision. But, but maybe the fears that we had or the, uh, the over- overwhelming feelings that we have stopped us dead in our tracks. Like those moments where, where we were just like just absolutely paralyzed by what was ahead, paralyzed by the uncertainty uh, that was coming before us. I think we've all had those moments, and if we think about it, we can all remember a few of those moments in our lives. And maybe, maybe some of them were not as big as we made them out to be, but maybe some of those moments for us 
have been or are right now moments where we're asking ourselves the question, I don't, how am I going to get, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get through this? How am I going to face this? How am I going to, to make this decision? So we've all had these moments of, of that paralyzing fear in those moments. I remember a, um, remember a time when I was, I was living in this apartment and um, I was living there uh, right next to the, the outside of my bedroom wall was right next to the fire escape stairs, you know, and, and a lot of people used, there was only like five or six people that lived in this like uh, apartment building and, and um, the, a lot of people used these stairs to come into the building and that kind of thing. So it wasn't uncommon to actually hear somebody walking up the stairs, but I remember one night I'm, I'm laying there asleep and, and I'm woken up because I hear somebody walking up these steps. But they're not just like walking normal, like up steps. You know, most people just kind of walk up steps, come in, that kind of thing. This was more like one of these things. Clud, clud, clud. You know, like just clutting up the top of these steps, these metal fire escape stairs, right? And I, it wakes me up, and when I, when I get woken up by that, I'm laying there, and I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is going on? So I look out the window, and I notice this guy walking up the steps, a guy I'd never seen before in my entire life. And he's just kind of like stumbling up these steps, right? And he gets to the door and he walks in the door and I'm thinking to myself, all right, so he's probably going to like walk down the hallway and walk out the other door on the other side of the building and just kind of walk out on the street. You know, I don't know where this guy's coming from. I've never seen him before in my life. And then he walks to my door though. (laughs) And he walks to my door and he stands at my door and I'm laying there, you know, because I've been woken up by this and then I hear the knock. But it's not just a knock, like it's a thud. It's like thud, 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 you know, on my door. And I'm laying there, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, it's about to get real. Like, we're, it's about, something's about to happen here. And I'm, but, I'm, but I'm, like, scared. You ever had one of those moments where you're just, like, scared? You didn't know what to do? Like, I, I, and that was one of those moments. So I go to the door, and I look out the little keyhole, you know, the little fisheye thing out, out of the door. And I'm looking at it, and this guy's just, like, standing there. And he's got his head down. And he's just kind of like this, you know, and I'm thinking, all right, so this guy's like messed up, you know, drunk, something. And um, he's just standing there. And so I'm thinking to myself, if he knocks on the door one more time, like, I'm going to do nothing. And, and so uh, <laughs> I'm going to call the police, you know, I'm gonna do, I got to do something. I, I had no idea what I was going to do. But I was like literally so paralyzed with like, I'd never had anything like that happen before. And, and it's that kind of feeling, I mean, not that kind of moment, but it's that kind of feeling. You know the feeling that I'm talking about, don't you? That kind of feeling where you just don't know what you're going to do. So much so to the fact that, that instead of actually making the decision that you know that you need to make, or taking the step that you know that you need to take, that you may turn around and just go the other way and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to ignore it, I'm not going to deal with it, I'm not going to do anything about it. And it's that kind of fear that that we can be paralyzed with and, and, and stopped in our tracks with. Today, we're going to start a new series uh, on one of my all-time favorite books of the Bible, uh, on the book of Joshua. And so if you have your Bible, open it up to the book of Joshua. Uh, it's in the Old Testament. It's uh, one of the first several books of the Bible. It comes right after the book of Deuteronomy. And um, we're going to dive into this for the next couple of weeks and, and look at this guy by the name of Joshua, but um, over the next few weeks, what we're really going to learn about is is courage. We're going to learn about courage. We're going to learn about stepping out in faith and and what it means to live in reckless obedience to God. 
I think it's going to be really helpful for us, so I hope you'll be here for the next couple of weeks. But uh, let me give you a little background on Joshua, a little context so you know where we're coming from and where we're going and a little bit of information around Joshua so you have uh, some information to work with as we open this up together. But um, Joshua, the name Joshua, it actually means Yahweh saves. It's what the name Joshua means. And so it's going to be really important moving forward and something that we're going to have to remember and, and look at in the context of this. Uh, so Joshua saves. And so Joshua, uh, Joshua had been one of the 12 spies that had been sent into, uh, into the promised land to check it out. And so uh, he was the commander-in-chief of the army of Moses. And so you remember Moses, right? Moses was the guy that God called through the burning bush, spoke to him in that, in that moment and told Moses, he said, Moses, I want you to go uh, to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, I want you to go to him, and I want you to tell him to let the people of Israel go, because they were in captivity and slavery uh, there in Egypt. And Moses was the one that God called to go and do that along with Aaron. And so Moses goes and does that. He brings the people of Israel out of Egypt and into the, into the wilderness, is what the Bible calls it, and it was really uh, the desert. And there, in the desert, they basically walked around in a circle for about 40 years. Okay? Walked around in a circle for about 40 years, stayed in a pretty small spot. God had told them, he said, I'm sending you to the promised land, this land that I've uh, given to you, and I'm sending you there. But for a lot of various reasons, things that we don't have time to go into right now, they just walked around in a circle for 40 years before God allowed them to go into the promised land. And so during this time, they finally get, make it to the edge of the promised land. God, or Moses sends 12 spies, Joshua was one of them, Caleb was one of the other ones, sends them into the promised land to check it out. They come back, and they come back, and 10 of the 12 spies were like, you know what, it's too dangerous, we don't need to go in there, we don't need, like, it, there's giants in there, it's going to be rough, we're all going to die, let's not do it, right? But, Joshua, being one of the 12 that comes back, Joshua is one who comes back and says, hey, you know what, we can do this. We can do this. And so the other ten, you don't ever hear anything about these other ten spies. One, because they were cowards, and you don't write about cowards, right? So you don't hear, there's no books in the Bible on these other guys. And then two, they had names like Shofat, all right? So that was one of the names of the spies. Like, you just, parents don't name your children Shofat. That's not going to work out well for them. Shofat won't have a date to the prom. And so uh, you don't, you, you just don't name your children Shofat. And so that was one of the, the spies that came back, and he was one of the cowards. And so you don't hear anything about them. But Moses is brought to the top of this mountain, okay? He's brought to the top of this mountain. And God tells Moses, he says, Moses, you've done a great job. You've led the people to the edge of the promised land. In fact, there it is. He points it out. God shows Moses the promised land. He looks at it. He lays his eyes on it for 40 years He's not seen it, but now he gets to see it. And he says, there it is, put your eyes on it. And Moses sees the promised land, and then God goes, but you don't get to go. And in fact, this is the end of the line for you. And so you need to commission Joshua to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. And so Moses dies, and Joshua is charged with leading the people of Israel into the promised land. And that's where we're going to pick it up. Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1 says this. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, this is God speaking to Moses, says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, 
go over this Jordan. That's the river that is separating them and the promised land. It says, go over this Jordan, you and all of this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I, has, as I have promised Moses. Verse 4. It says, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all of the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7. Two more verses, or three more. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all of the law of Moses, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so God makes Joshua this incredible promise. Makes him this incredible promise. He says, in verse 3, he says, Joshua, I've already given you. That word given is huge because it's in the past tense. He says, I've already given you every place that the sole of your feet will touch. So everywhere you go, everywhere you get to, everywhere your feet touches, I've already given it to you. The victory is already yours. And so he makes him this incredible promise right here in verse 3. And that is a promise that is going to be really important going forward as we unpack this book uh, moving forward. And so then you see this phrase. There's this phrase. In fact, the phrase actually shows up about seven times between Deuteronomy chapter 31, which is right before this, and into Joshua chapter 1. This phrase shows up seven times, and it's this. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And it's told to Joshua, and it's told to Moses. And that is extremely important. Think about this. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hands for this, but I want you to think about it for a minute. How many of you need someone to give you that pep talk every now and then and say, hey, be strong and courageous? Yeah. Be strong and courageous. Like, don't be afraid of what's ahead of you. Don't be afraid of the outcome of the situation. Don't be afraid of the uncertainty. But be strong and courageous. Because, listen to what God says to Moses. He says, be strong and courageous. You can be strong and courageous because I've already given you the victory. Yes. I've already given you the victory. He said, be strong and courageous because I've got this. It is well what God says to Joshua and it's this incredible incredible promise and so what is it about this God-imposed faith and this courage that we can learn from Joshua that can help us not run from what's ahead in fear but face what's ahead of each of us with the faith and the courage that only God can provide what are those things and so that's what I want to do today for the next few minutes is just unpack these things three things real quick three things that we can gain uh, from this that's going to help us. Uh, three things that's going to help us in that same, have that same type of courage that God gives. And it's, number one is this. We can, have, we can have this courage because of God's 
promises. Number one is we can have this kind of courage because of God's promises. Look at verse 6 with me. God says this. He makes this promise. He says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. You see, that's a promise that God gives to Joshua, but, but it points to a principle that is for each one of us. And that principle is this, is that we can count on God's future faithfulness to us because of God's past faithfulness for us. We can count on God's future faithfulness to us because of God's past faithfulness for us. You see, when God tells Joshua this, he says, it's something that I had swore to your fathers. What he was saying is he was pointing back to his past faithfulness. He says, hey, I told Abraham that there would be a promised land. And guess what? You're standing on the edge of the promised land. I told Isaac that there would be a promised land. And I told Jacob that there would be a promised land. And I told Moses, your boy, Moses, I told him there would be a promised land. And I showed it to him. And now you're standing on the edge of the promised land. And here's the principle. God always makes good on his promises. He has never missed a promise. He has never missed a promise. He has never missed a promise for you. He has never missed a promise for me. And if you're sitting there and you're going, you know what, though? Uh, you know, I, I, think I, I think he did miss a few promises for me. Hold on, because it's coming. Hold on, because it's coming. You may not see it yet. You may not have experienced yet, but it's coming. How many of you know that God always comes through on his promises? Amen. He does. He always comes through on his promises. And so I think in that moment, Joshua may have been listening to what God was saying to him, and he was thinking back to that. He was thinking about God's past faithfulness to him. He was thinking about probably when, when he was being brought out of Egypt and, and, and walking along Egypt, and they found out that the, the army of Egypt was bearing down on them, and they're standing on the edge of the Red Sea, and God had told them, I'm going to take care of you. And so what did he do? He opened up the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry land, and then the waters caved in on, on the army. Maybe he was thinking about when we got out there and we're in the middle of this desert. There's not a whole lot of livestock out in the middle of the desert, right? There's not a lot of things happening and growing out in the middle of the desert. And so they needed food. They needed something to eat. And God said, you know what? I'll take care of you. I got this. And he rained down bread out of heaven, manna. So that's what it was. It was just bread, heavenly bread, manna out of heaven, right? And the Bible says that, that the manna was, it covered the earth like dew of the earth. It was everywhere, right? And so they went and they couldn't even pick up all of the bread that was just laying out there for them. And then they got a little stingy and a little greedy and like, you know what, we kind of like a little bit of meat. And so God says, you know what, I don't really want to, but I love you and so I'm going to. And then he gives them some quail, all right, just rains down meat out of, um, out of heaven. That doesn't work out too well for them in the end. But nevertheless, um, if you know that, you know what I'm talking about. So uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a story about complaining, but we'll talk, that's another sermon for another time. Anyway, so Joshua's thinking about these things. And he's thinking, you know what? God, you're right. You've always been faithful to me. Why, why do I have any reason to believe anything else that going forward that you're going to be faithful to? Like, I know that you're going to be faithful to us moving forward. And so we can have this courage because of God's promises. And so when we're uncertain about God's promise for our future, just think about how he's been faithful to you in the past. Think about that for yourself today. How has God been faithful to you in, in the past? When I need assurance of God's future for my, for his future faithfulness, I always think about his past faithfulness to me. 
He said that he'd leave me, or that he'd never leave me, and he hasn't. He said that he'd always be with me, and he's always been there. He said that he would, he would be for me, and he always has been. So we have to trust God's promise to us, his promises to us. See, the thing about trusting God's promises to us is, is we think, well, that's good. I'd like to trust God's promises to us, but I'm going to need God to give me some details of these promises. Like, how are things going to work out here, right? Like, we like, we're, we like the details, don't we? We like to know how things are going to work out for us in the end. Right? We want to make sure it's going to be okay, that it's not going to be too tough, that, you know, I'm not going to hit rock bottom before I get to go back to the top, right? Like, like we want to know that all of those things are going to work out that way. Well, the problem with that is, is that God doesn't always give us the details. He just gives us the promise. I heard somebody say this once. They said, between the promise and the payoff, we have to have the courage to be able to act. Between the promise that God makes us and the payoff of actually getting to the end of that promise, you and I, we have to have the courage to be able to act. And so the nation of Israel, they are standing on the edge of the payoff, and now they need the courage to act. And that's why God tells them, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous because I've got this for you. You see, he doesn't, he doesn't give the details because the point isn't the outcome. The point is the obedience. He doesn't give the details because that's not the point. The point is not the outcome. The point is the obedience to be able to step out in faith. You see, outcome is God's job. Faithful obedience is our job. So God, tell, God tells us, and if you're, if you're like, you know what, I want to trust God. I want to be able to put my faith there. I want to be able to know that everything's going to be okay. And God's going, you know what, I just need you to trust me. I need you to be obedient in that. I'll take care of the details. I'll take care of the outcome. I just need you to trust me. So God says to Joshua, I've already given you the victory. I'm with you. And he makes him this incredible promise. So we can have that same courage because of God's promises to us. His past, past faithfulness to us will show us his future faithfulness for us. Number two is this. We can have this same kind of courage because of God's word. Look at verse 7. He says, Only be strong and very courageous, uh, courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You see, courage, courage is always anchored by the word of God. Courage is always anchored by the word of God. And so Joshua is told by God, he says, I want you to take the law. And so what the law was, was uh, what we have in the scripture, the, the books before the book of Joshua. That's the law. That's, that's what God had given to Moses, the Ten Commandments. That's part of the law. And so that's the word. That's God speaking to Moses, and Moses had taught it to them. And so Joshua knew this. Joshua had heard it. He had listened to Moses teach it. He had listened to the priest be able to, to teach this and to share this with them. So Joshua knew the word. And so God tells Joshua, he says, for you to be able to be successful in this, do not depart from my word. Keep it in your heart. Think on it deeply. He says, meditate on it. And that fleshes itself out in three ways, really. And it's like this. I, I, I say this all the time, but it's really simple to remember. Is when it comes to God's word, here's what we have to do. We have to do God's word. 
or let me back up. We have to hear God's word, we have to do God's word, and we have to become God's word. We have to be it. You have to hear it, you have to do it, and then you have to be it. Because here's, here's the, the problem. It means nothing for us to know about God's word, but not do God's word. Like, it's useless. Information without application is useless. Like, you have to be able to apply it to your life. And we're not going to get it right all the time. We're not going to go 10 for 10 on it. We're going to mess it up sometimes. We're human. We're sinful. That is going to happen. And so don't get caught up on being like, well, I can't do it because I'm never going to get it right. You're not going to get it right. Neither am I. And so we have to be able to hear it and meditate on it, think deeply on it. But then we have to be able to do it. Listen to this. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this. Very simple. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, in other words, the the word, and perseveres, meaning you, you go through with it, you do your best to do it, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Isn't that the same thing that God just told Joshua? Be, if you not just hear it, but if you actually do it, you will be blessed. And that's exactly what God tells Joshua. Crawford Loritz, he's a, he's a pastor and uh, author, and he, he wrote this, and I, I love this, it's so good. He said, this about God's word. He said, make, make God's word the background noise of your life. And then when you get in a storm, turn up the volume. It's good, isn't it? He says, make, make God's word the background noise of your life, meaning that you're meditating on it, you're thinking deeply on it, you're, you're doing your best to do it, and then when you get in those tough spots, when you're faced with this paralyzing fear or uncertainty or storms and trials and things that just stink in life, turn up the volume. But you can't turn up the volume if you don't have it with you, right? So that, that's the importance of, of having it and knowing it and diving into it. And, and here's the thing. You see, the Word of God gives us courage to take that next step of faith, no matter how little of it you know. Because you might be sitting there, and you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't really know God's Word very well. Like, I, well, Jesus wept. I got that one down, right? John three sixteen, whatever. Matthew 28, or, you know, whatever. Like, even that, you're like, I don't even know what that is. Like, that's okay. That's okay. Let me, let me say this. Here's, here's why this is important. You got to start somewhere. And everybody starts at zero. You got to start somewhere. But every word of God's word is as powerful as the next. And so whether you know a lot of it or a little of it, it does not matter because it's all equally powerful. But you got to start somewhere. That's number two. Number three. Number three. We can have this courage because of God's presence. Look at verse five. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you. Again, God's speaking to Moses, he sa- or Joshua. He says, no man shall be able to stand before you all of the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And then again, skip down to verse 9. He says, I have, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
You see, God never calls us to do do anything apart from Him. He never calls us to do anything apart from His presence. Look at this, John chapter 15. You don't have to turn, I'll just read it for you, but... Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, okay. John, uh, John 15. Hey, some, um, sometimes you just got to do it. It's just there. Yep. There we go. John chapter 15, verse 5. Listen to this, talking about, um, this is Jesus speaking and the importance of, of just leaning into him. Verse 5, he says this, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, that that word abide, it means leans into. Uh, One translation puts it this way. uh, Whoever makes his home in me, that word abides. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? That's a whole lot of nothing. Nothing. It's crazy because in the Greek and the Hebrew, that word nothing means nothing. Like it's the same. It means nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Essentially what Jesus is saying there is he is saying, look, I just want to make this very clear. Again, apart from me, you will get nothing done that I've called you to. If you abide in me, verse 7, and my words abide in you, again, if that word, there's that, again, if my words, if they're hidden in you, if they are in your heart, if they are sinking down into your heart, putting down roots, springing forth fruit, this is what he says will happen. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. See, some of us, I think, are so tired and worn out and burnt out. And part of the reason why we are is because we have stepped away from operating in his presence. We've tried to do a whole lot of nothing apart from him. Try to do a whole lot of nothing away from his presence. Joshua will actually do this a little later in chapter 6. If you want a little extra reading today, go read chapter 5 and 6. And you'll see, see what I'm talking about. There's a little hiccup in the plan because Joshua gets all puffed up and says, you know what? I can do this. I don't need, like, we can just do this on our own. We'll just, we'll take care of this city that's out there and we won't even send our whole army. And then they get their tails whipped and come back crying. But we'll, that's another sermon for later in the series. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So let me ask you this question. What are you trying to do apart from his presence. You're trying to parent apart from his presence. Trying to wade through the trickiness and hard work of marriage apart from his presence. Trying to get through a tough situation apart from his presence. Are you trying to find a healing apart from his presence? Are you trying to, what are, what are you doing apart from him? How's it working out for you? Probably not too well. But you see, the gospel, the gospel isn't a story of how we just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and set ourselves up and shake the dust off and pat ourselves on the back and think about how awesome we are. 
The gospel is not about that at all, but the gospel, rather, the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for us is the story of how God continually sets us up on our feet again and again and again. And that's good news. See, having courage is not the absence of fear. You can be courageous, but still be fearful. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is knowing that God is always bigger than your circumstance. That's courage. There's this guy, Philip Brooks, he said this. He said, don't ask for tasks that are equal to your powers. You ever prayed that? God, let me, let me, just, be able to, let me just be able to do... Um, let me just be able to do this, uh, or let me, let, me, let me be able to do something that I, that I know that I can do. He says, don't ask for tasks that are equal to your powers. Instead, ask for powers that are equal to your tasks. In other words, he's saying, hey, whatever it is that's out there, whatever you're up against, whatever you're on the edge of, I got this. But it requires his presence. It requires us abiding in him, of leaning in him, of making our home in him and him in us. Moses knew this all too well. Just before this, in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15, Moses is having this conversation with God, and God tells Moses, he says, he's given him a, a task to do. Moses knows that his powers are, are not equal to the task, but he knows that, that God is, is bigger than the task. And so Moses says this back to God. He says, in uh, verse 15 of 33, he says, If your presence will not go with me, do not lead us up from here. He says, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. In other words, what God, uh, or what Moses says back to God is he says, Hey, if you're not going with us, then I ain't going. We need that kind of reliance on the presence of God say, you know what, I don't want to do this apart from you. I'm going to lean into you. I'm just going to lean into you the whole way. We can learn, I think, some great principles here from Joshua about courage, about faith. We can learn these things from, from Joshua. We can learn these just right here in the first chapter. These, these things that we just mentioned, these three things, having the courage, this courage because of God's promises, because of his word because of his presence it can it can give us that kind of courage but we will never have that kind of courage apart from him apart from his presence and the truth of the matter is like if you think about these things and you think to yourself you know what i can do this like i got this appreciate the pep talk i'm good tomorrow's not going to turn out too well it's not going to turn out too well when we get to the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua basically tells the people, and he, he looks at them in, in chap, chapter 24, and he looks at them and, and he tells them, he says, you know what? Um, I know you guys are working hard, and I know you're trying to get this right, but you're not ever going to get it right. If you're not, you're not going to go 10 for 10 here. It's not always going to work out the way that you want it to not always going to be perfect and he basically tells them guys you're just not going to get it right and the bible uses joshua as foreshadowing to the one who does get it right and that's jesus see jesus is the better joshua 
Jesus is the, is the one who, who gives us a perfect courage. We just read about it in Hebrews chapter 2 where uh, Larry came up here and he read the scripture, scripture to you uh, that says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Do you know what that means? That means that the faith to believe is given to us from him. And he is the author, he is the creator of the faith to even be able to believe in him. The faith be, to be able to have this kind of courage. But he is also the perfecter of that faith. Do you know what that means? That means when you don't have enough of it, guess who does? He does. Which is why we lean into him, abide into him, into Christ, into Jesus. And so as we close this morning, we're going to... We're going to take communion as, as we often do, and we're going to sing a song together. And as we sing this song together, the name of this song is called Give Me Faith. And it's a declaration, it's a prayer, really, that we sing out to God, that ask God to, to give us faith. And so whatever it is that you're up against, whatever courage you're lacking right now, whatever faith it is that you're lacking right now, it's not us pulling ourselves up and saying, God, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to muster up enough faith to do the next thing right or to go through the next season or to battle the next storm. No, 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 no. It's not you mustering up enough faith. It's asking God to give you more faith, to give you more courage, to make you more brave. And in, the, in this song, in the middle of the song, there's a chorus that says, um, it says, I may be weak, but your spirit is strong in me. My flesh may fail, but God, you never will. Isn't that the truth? We are weak. We're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to get it perfect. But Jesus has and will. And he'll continue to do that as we lean into him. So we invite you to come take Allow this picture, this beautiful picture of what Jesus did to perfect our faith, be a moment for us where we can take time to, to pray and maybe lay down our, our fears and the things that have paralyzed us, the things that have stopped us and, and our, our lacking of faith. Lay those things down at the foot of the cross and then come and take communion together to be a symbol of what Christ worship you and to praise you and to know God that you are for us and that you are with us and that you're never going to leave us and God if we lack in those things if we lack in those moments God God we pray that that right now you just you send your spirit to fill us up with courage God with with even greater faith to believe and to know that you are with us that you're for us God that you're never going to turn your back on us or walk away from us even though we are tempted to do so ourselves. Although our flesh is weak, God, your spirit is stronger than our flesh. We thank you for that. So, Father, we, we lay these things at your feet. We lay ourselves at your feet. God, whatever it is that lies before us, whatever it is that is ahead, whether it's a, a trial or a storm or, or whatever it is that we may be up against now or maybe coming down the road, God, fill us with the courage and the faith 
to not be paralyzed by that, but God, to step into it, leaning into you the whole way. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing, as we continue to worship and to pray together? We invite you to come and take communion when you're ready. And Mike is one of our prayer partners down here this morning, and he would love to talk with you or pray with you. If you'd like to talk to someone or pray with someone, we just invite you to come and take communion when you're ready. Continue to worship and sing as we go on.